Welcome to the most must-hear podcast in history. Welcome to Real Talk. I am your host, Jesse Jones. Let's get this thing started, y'all. Come on. Real talks in effect, y'all. Let's start the show. All right, all right, all right. And we back. We here. Two weeks off. I've been tired, y'all. Real talk. I've been tired. No pun intended. I say real talk like a thousand times. It's what I do. But we back, y'all. We back for another great episode of Real Talk. As always, I am your host, Jesse Jones. And of course, I am joined by my cohort, my co-host, The wonderful, vivacious, the gorgeous. She is my queen. She's the executive producer of Real Talk. Woo-hoo! And she's something like kind of sexy, you know what I'm saying? She is the queen, Queen Falanda. Say hi to the people, babe. Hi, family. You never know. You never know. I was preparing myself for kings and queens, and here she come out with half family. I see. I see. You got to talk up so the people can hear you, too. How about that? Oh, (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah. Also, as always, I want to give a shout out. We'll never start the show until further notice. But I'm giving a shout out to my boy Mike Gibbs. He is the mastermind behind the Real Talk beat. The intro that you hear, that's his original beat. He's got some wonderful cuts. This dude is a monster. He know what he be doing. You can hit me up to hit him up. Hit me up at Real Talk HPM at gmail.com and I'll show you how to get in touch with him. If you need a beat for your song, you need something made because you a spitter, hit me up. I'll put you in touch with him. He's real reasonable. My dude's a beast. Also want to give a shout out to my boy Rutt, a.k.a. Russell Worthy. I know I said that backwards, but I call him Rutt more than I call him Russell. He is my brother. He is my friend. We've known each other all his life. He's never known a, a morning to rise without knowing Jesse Jones. How about that? That's wonderful. He, my boy, he is also our graphics design artist. If you need some graphics designed, if you need some artistry, if you need something made for a flyer, for a logo, for a design, whatever it is, my boy Ruck can hook you up. He's real reasonable as well. Hit me up once again at realtalkhpm at gmail.com. I'll put you in touch with him. He'll hook you up. Just tell him you know me. All right, let's go ahead and get this show started. I have said that this show is called Real Talk, which means I'm not going to sugarcoat. I'm not going to be fake. I ain't going to do none of that. So, let me be real. I was struggling for a topic today. Real Talk. Like, <laughs> woo! We actually taping this on Thursday. I'm supposed to be releasing this on Thursday. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be released like late Thursday night because I was struggling for a topic. We've been off for two weeks because I have been crazy busy and tired. 
Uh, we just uh, were in Columbus, Ohio, where I was able to have the wonderful opportunity to unite in marriage two of the High Praise Ministries members, uh, Nicodemus Harding and Janelle Williams, now Janelle Harding. A wonderful ceremony. I was able to preside over it. It was wonderful fun. It was a wonderful experience, except for the Negroes who decided they wanted to act a fool, and there was a bunch of them that wanted to act a fool, and they didn't know who I was. They were, oh my God. I wish some of y'all could have seen some of the faces that were being made at your boy when I did what I do. Because if you know who I am and you know how I do things, you know I don't do nothing conventional. So when they, some of the things, oh my God, how could you? Huh? All that stuff. It was crazy. So, yeah, we did that, and the travel was crazy, and it just took a lot out of me. Um, so we didn't do it two weeks ago uh, because of the travel going too. And then I was still trying to, you know, get myself back in the he right headspace last week. Uh, still a little exhausted. Really, real talk. Still a little tired now. But we gonna go ahead and get this going because I can't keep prolonging it. I don't want to be one of those podcasters who's inconsistent, inconsistent because. The few listeners that I have right now, I appreciate, I enjoy, I thank you for your time. And I don't want y'all to walk away while I'm still trying to gain some new ones as well. How about that? So, let's go ahead and get this thing started. Today's topic that was given to me um, by a variety of people, like this is going to be kind of a hodgepodge. The overall arching theme of this is going to be dealing with legacy. And we're going to talk some things about legacy and... Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm a big proponent of legacy as is anyway, so this kind of spoke to me when this was, uh, brought up as a suggestion for a topic. So first of all, let's get on the same page. What is legacy? Legacy is defined as anything handed down from the past as from an ancestor or predecessor. And I'm going to put a little stank on it on my own, and I'm going to say not only is it something that's handed down, but it has some kind of value. Whether the value is to the person giving it or to the person receiving it, it ought to have value. So, the first question that hit with this topic of legacy was, why does legacy matter? Like, and I feel like in the black community and in the church, we really don't understand why it matters. Because if I be honest, the legacy, both the black community and the church of this modern era, I'm not even going to say this generation, I'm going to say this era, which encompasses this current generation, my generation, and to a lesser degree, the generation before me. It's crap. We have a horrible legacy. And I know, I know I'm going to catch some backlash for that type of statement. I know some of y'all who are listening like, oh my God, what you mean? We have a horrible legacy. Do you not understand all the great things we've done? And I would say to you, name them. Compare what we have done now to things we've done in the past. We had inventors. Do you recognize that the cell phone would not be a thing without black folks? Do you recognize that light bulbs wouldn't be a thing without black folks? Do you recognize that the modern spread of Christianity in this country would not be a real thing without black folks? Do you understand what we have contributed to this country, to the, to the role of Christianity? Do you understand what, we, what our legacy is? 
do, do you really understand? And then you compare it to now. And we can even go musically because I got a little thing, a little venom about some of the music and stuff as well. I promise you I'm going to hit that in a minute. But we can compare even musically. So we had geniuses like Stevie Wonder who what they called wrote in the key of life. I know that's one of the names of, of the songs, but still his his music was it felt like it was a key of life. When he touched his blind fingers to those keys on the keyboard and made music, it it made you feel something. Now we got people like Lil Uzi Vert or XXX Tatashion, rest in peace, or wherever you're resting. Uh, we got people like uh, I don't know. I I can't name half of these people no more. We and I know there's some good singers and some good art, some good hip hop artists. I'm not saying all the music is trash, although that's debatable as well. But I'm talking about the quality. Go ahead. You look like you oh. want to say something. Go ahead, jump because your head no, popped I'm up. Sorry, yeah, I, go ahead. I got to thinking about the top fifty artists of the uh -huh. last thirty, the top fifty R and B artists of the last fifty years. Uh huh. And it don't it don't match up. It don't. What we have is is not in, in this era. Nothing that compares to what we used to have. Previous generations brought us Martin Luther King Jr. And Malcolm X. And this generation has brought us, yes, I give us credit, brought us Barack Obama. But what else you got? What else is our legacy? We don't understand legacy. Legacy matters because not only does it help you to live on, but it's something that the generation you're giving it to has to build from. Legacy is like an inheritance. Biblically, the Bible talks about, and I'm paraphrasing, that a man is worse than an infidel when he does not leave something for his children. And we're not talking spiritually. The Bible's talking about naturally. Give your children something to build off of. Your job is to make sure, to the best of your ability, that your children have a better shot at life than you did. Now, whether they take it or not is up to them, but your job is to try to provide the better shot. We ain't doing it. And as a church, we ain't doing it. We have become so caught up in the stuff and the theatrics and the show and the mega that we forgot about Jesus. We forgot about a legacy of love. We forgot about a legacy that passes down helping the sick and helping the poor. And how about this? Taking a stand. Why does legacy matter? It matters because without legacy, you die. And without legacy, your children die. They have no identity. Legacy leaves your children an identity. It's the reason that slave masters wanted to cut us off from each other. Because we knew our history, which is legacy. And when you don't know your history, when you don't know who you come from, when you don't know who you are, I can define you and make you who you are. That's why they can get away with calling you a nigger. Because you didn't know who you were. Now, if you call a black person a nigger, as a white person, we ready to fight. 
but we ready to fight because somebody left a legacy that said, that's not who you are. What are you leaving to the people behind you? And while I'm at it, how bad are you spitting in the face of the legacy that was left before you? What are you doing with the things that have been handed to you? As a parent, nothing, well, few things irritate me more about seeing a child, including my own, than me trying to hand you something, me giving you something, and you trashing it. And I'm in trash talking it. I mean treating it like it's nothing. You buy them a necklace. And two days later, the necklace is left in between the couch. And they don't even know they lost it. You, you, you buy them a car and a month later, it's, it got into an unnecessary accident. It's a spit in the face of what you were trying to hand down. How much, I swear, the Boondocks episode of Martin, with Martin Luther King in it is one of my favorites because, man, if he could see us now as a black nation, would he think that all of his sacrifice was for nothing? He died for nothing? Rosa died for nothing? All the people who came before Rosa, who nobody mentions, who were, who were arrested for sitting on the front of the bus, for sitting where they were on the bus, for nothing? The young lady who was pregnant, who gave up, who was inspiration behind the boycott, who they decided not to use because she couldn't be a great face, because she was a young, she was a young girl pregnant and Rosa was just better, died for nothing? Malcolm died for nothing? And for y'all Christians who ain't black, Jesus died for nothing? Really? This is what we leave? So, I, so the other part of the question was, what kind of legacy are we leaving? And I answered that in my little diatribe. We're leaving a crap legacy, but I'm going to shut up for a second. I'm going to give my intellectually beautiful wife a chance to speak on this. Because I know that she has some things and thoughts and feelings on this as well, because she's an she's an intelligent person, and I don't know I don't know if her, if her thoughts holistically are opposed to mine or not. We are gonna find out together. What you got, babe? Um, I I, I kind of agree with it. Um, there's this thing going around, and if you are on social media for any length of time, especially Instagram, then there's a list going around that's highly disputed about the 50 greatest R&B artists of the last 30 years. So we have to take off for some of us more seasoned people. <laughs> you got to take out your Marvin Gaye's. You got to take out all the, the um, you got to take all of them out of the list and it said the last 30 years. And I really struggled with like finding 30 great artists, not groups. So we have to take out people like Boys to Men because they are a group. And I really struggled finding 30 great R&B artists. I just resent it to you just so you can look at it in case you wanted to. Okay. Um, and thinking of like that and thinking about our daughter and the music that she listens to. 
Like, for all intents and purposes, our daughter, who is 23 years old, really doesn't listen to a lot of this new age music. Just to show you how much that they value it now. She doesn't listen to a lot of the new age music. Like, she's a huge R&B fan. Um, but she listens to stuff I listened to when I was in high school. Like, because this, the music really just doesn't speak to her. You're not going to... She'll go back to some old Keisha Cole. Some old um, uh, Mary J. Blige. Some old... Um, not even like even her new stuff. I don't even think she really listened to her new stuff. But these are the kind of artists that she will listen to. Aside from Queen Nyjah, um, she really doesn't listen to a lot of the music that exists right now. And it got me to thinking about Layla and our granddaughter. And what will she have left behind? Like they will have no new stuff. Once, no one can remember. And that's our fault. That's a part of why our legacy dies. We don't pass it down. If you were to actually sit there and think about right now, how many generations of your family had that you had to write down real quickly your family history, how many generations could you actually go back? Like, how much do you really know? We really don't pass that down anymore. And that's our fault. Like, we're a part of the problem. Mm hmm I got to thinking about, like, okay, so I posted a picture of me. If you saw it, it's on Instagram. I'm not going to post it out there on Facebook because I have a lot of churchy friends. And I try not to offend the brethren. But if you get mad, you get mad. I'm still cute for to be a grandma. Hi. <laughs> I still got it. Even when I didn't feel like I still got it. I was like, okay, grandma still got it. <laughs> not like I'm trying to be some of these grandmamas in the club with their grandchild. That's weird. But... <laughs> I got to thinking, I was like, you know, I, I want to be one of those big mamas. Like, I want you to come to my house on a Sunday morning and there be, okay, Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon. Uh, <laughs> not Nobody. a morning person. That's not a lie. And I, I want you to smell some biscuits. Like, I got to thinking the last time that I actually made biscuits from scratch. Like... I can't, it took me a while to sit down with Ashley and teach her how to make pie crust from scratch. Like, I really had to sit down. I had to reflect. I had to call up my mom. We had to dig back through my grandma's memory bank. Because we don't even take our family recipes and write them down anymore. Mm -hmm. I got to thinking, I need to sit down and write my macaroni and cheese recipe down so that Layla can know it. You know, how much time do we actually and this I know we always talking about not dealing in our past not dwelling in our past but part of our past shapes who we are as a person and be it good bad or indifferent your past has educated you on what to do or what not to do in the future and wouldn't it be such a blessing if we could take the time to pass down the good, bad, or indifference, so that the next generation will at least not make the same mistakes we made. Like, we, 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 we have done ourselves a great disservice by denying our legacy. As much as people try to say that, oh, well, racism doesn't exist, or you hear people, oh, why do you have to keep bringing that up? Because that's, that's who we are. It's a part of us. Not that we still live in that same condition, but surely the thing that you take for granted 
is the thing that comes back to bite you in the tushy. Like, the legacy, it, it, you were talking about Martin Luther King and him looking back on our legacy for as much, many people who have died in the civil rights movement. The mega ever slain on his front, on his, in his front driveway so that we can have the right to vote. If I hear one more young person say, I don't like the candidate, so, it's I, so therefore I'm not going to vote. And then you mad. Because every time that they talk about America, they throw Donald Trump in your face. And that's your fault. That's your fault. Because you didn't take the time to vote. For as many, for as many people who talk about poverty in minority communities, and, and black people are the main people to have this issue, how many of us actually take the time for all those people who fought to get the land while you buying um, Gucci and Prada? How many of <coughs> us are teaching the legacy of home ownership to our family? Mm -hmm. Owning our property. Like, how many of us? Why are there not... Why, why is Big Mama's house not an issue? Like, why, why doesn't that exist anymore? That that get inherited and passed down to the firstborn child? Why don't we do that anymore? Because we've lost our legacy. We have. We don't understand the importance of our legacy. Whether you're talking about personal, as in your family legacy, like you were talking about. Whether you're talking about as a people, black folks. Whether you're talking about as a culture. whether you're We just don't know our legacy. And it kills me because, especially in the black community, it feels like. Now, I don't, I don't have as much communication with people of other ethnicities and races or, or cultures or what have you. I don't have as much communication with them as I probably could, but the ones that I do know, all of them love their legacy. They know their legacy. One of my good friends, she's my sister, she used to be down here in Georgia, now she's in Texas, Apostle, Ch Apostle Victoria Chapel, local Scott. She's, she's of African descent. I forget which country. And I apologize if you get to hear this, Victoria. I do apologize. Um, but I do know they love their culture. I listened to her and her sister Veronica talk about their culture when we were in college. I've known their family. And I see even afterwards, now, we, now that we're grown and, have, and are married and have, and have our own lives, I see her continuing to go back to her culture and always taking it in. And the, the things that she posts on Facebook about her culture and those types of things, that means something to them. I know some Mexican friends and they have the same type thing. Like we are the only, it feels like. We are the only culture that don't have that. And don't give me that crap because it was ripped from us as slavery. I get that, but what about our what about our legacy since then? And and I, I really think in this day and age of technology and um our our freedom that we have to do our research, that shouldn't be an excuse anymore. It shouldn't. Like, if we can do Ancestry DNA, and I'm not talking about Ancestry.com, I'm talking about the actual, uh, some of the African-American-owned websites that do the genetic testing. Mm -hmm. That's an excuse. Like, we can know. Like, um, I am part, I have Native American heritage, and I don't say that because, you know, you hear all black people say, well, I got Indian in me, that's why my hair look like that. No, I actually have a grandmother who is full-blooded Native American. And it took me a while to actually do the research because I didn't really have family. I had I have photos and I have some 
I, I gave some general information about her tribe, but I, then I had to go do the research. Why we can't do the somebody do the research and then pass it on? It's, it's one thing for one of us to know it, but it's another thing for us to take that information now, pass that information down. We lose, especially in this technological day and age, we lose the art of conversation. Like the verbal transferring, passing it down from one to another. And I, we were watching that special with uh, the Hispanic comedian, John Leguizamo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. was even Man, talking was about phenomenal. Yeah, he was doing, even for the Hispanic heritage, for the Mexican heritage, they even have lost it. And he was trying to, he did a comedy special, more educational special, so to try to inform some Mexican-Americans, hey, y'all, they were actually here. As much as Donald Trump want to build that wall, they were here before we got here. Facts. Before America, they were already had, the, the Mayan and Incan Indians had already migrated into North America. And then the Caucasians came over and they pushed them back down into the region we now know as Mexico and stole the land from them and the Spanish. And part of it was French territory. They pushed them out. They stole the later Native Americans' land. They pushed them out. And there's no excuse for you not to know this and know where you come from and be able to pass this down because we have the technology, we have the resources, we have the ability. What we don't have is the willpower to do it because we lazy if we could just be honest if I, I find like i find myself catching myself every now and then thinking about what i thought ashley would know mm -hmm. and realizing that i didn't teach her mm -hmm. like when whitney houston died for her to not know a whitney houston song you're supposed to admit that out loud they know what's supposed I'm to know sorry, our daughter I know, I know. not know who whitney houston was i know i got credibility to, <laughs> to maintain what's wrong oh, with you i'm sorry but i didn't know she didn't know <laughs> I didn't, uh, she knew the songs, but she didn't know her. And so now I was like, whoa, it's a whole lot of things. It's a, it's a whole lot of stuff that I, and, and, and some of the stuff, I don't know if I'll ever be able to get into Ashley. So I, I now have to now teach my history to Layla while she's still a sponge before she gets to the point where she doesn't want to digest any more knowledge. And that becomes a thing. If, if we could just... Build and pass on. Build and pass on. We were having a conversation earlier, which is interesting that legacy became uh, the topic that we're, that we're talking about because we were having a conversation earlier this week, my wife and I, about something that just irritates the heck out of me. But I've been screaming about this for like the last five to ten years. Gospel music is dying because we don't understand our legacy. So, I challenge you. It is August 8th, 2019. That's when this podcast is being taped. I challenge somebody without Googling it to tell me when the Image Awards were. So, not the Image Awards, I'm sorry. Stellar. The Stellar Awards. When were the Stellar Awards? And other than Snoop, tell me somebody who won the Stellar. Tell me somebody who won a Dove Award. Name me seven artists that came out with new music in 2019 by August 8th. It's hard to do that because the industry is dying, but it's dying because we don't support it. And we don't support it because we don't understand how much the music means to the legacy of the church, especially the black church. 
And I hate saying the black church because that means it's a segregated thing, but I'm talking about part of the black culture in this regard. So I have to say the black church because here's the truth. White folks support Christian music. As far as I know, there are up-and-comers all the time in the Christian industry, what they call Christian. We decided we don't want to be Christian. We want to be gospel. So since we separated it, who? And just as importantly, who are the new ones? Because Kurt Franklin can't keep coming out with albums forever. Rance Allen got to stop singing sometime. Yolanda Adams is already doggone near retired, and Shirley Caesar, I ain't heard nothing from her in a while either. Donnie McClurkin can't keep doing it forever. Who coming behind them? Oh, I know. We got Tasha Cobbs, we got Kiara uh, Sheard. Got you. You recognize that they are legacy artists. Kiara Sheard comes from the infamous Clark sisters family, the Clark family, who has a legacy in gospel music. It's legacy. But that's one. For my old saints, um, tell me the newest whining that, that's come out with some music. I don't mean Marvin. I don't mean BB and Cece. I don't even mean Vicky who's only married into the whiners. I mean, tell me the newest one. We have no industry almost anymore. Nobody, I promise you probably couldn't even tell me about the Dove Awards. Nobody remembers what the Dove Awards is just about nowadays. My wife looked this up while we were talking. And correct me if I'm misquoting you how you said it. Mm -hmm. uh, she, we were, when we were talking about the Billboard 100s and how gospel had to make up being on the Billboard, having a, having a, 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 a gospel Billboard 20, Top 25 because on Billboard's website... There is no gospel category. Why? Because our industry sucks. And while I'm dealing with gospel music, let's go ahead to the preachers. I know there are storefronts on almost every corner in every city, everywhere you go. Got you. But where are the legacies of the Bishop Jakeses? Where are the legacies of, whether you like her or not, Prophet is wanting to buy them? Where are the legacies of uh, the, the, the late great... Uh, uh, God, his name slipped me. Uh, uh, Miles Monroe. Where are their legacies? Because they can't do it forever. Miles Monroe is dead. He can't do nothing now. Where's the legacy? There wasn't a year that went past that I didn't hear about something Miles Monroe's church is doing and what his ministry is doing. I've gone all the 2008, and unless I mention his name, I ain't heard nothing about him. Nothing about his ministry, nothing about the outreach he used to do, nothing about, nothing about the nation building he used to do. Nothing. And here's what's really trippy. Some of you who are listening have no idea who Miles Monroe is. When I'm talking about legacy, when we're talking about legacy, this is what we're talking about. We have an entire industry dying it's our fault. We don't support our own. We don't build our own up. We're ready for them to fall and laugh at them when we do when they do instead of praying for them. Well, we got bad legacies. Like when you when you hear about um, 
What's the guy who had the church down here who Jamal Bryan is the pastor of now? Oh, uh... Bishop Eddie Long. Yes. You ain't gonna... As soon as you say his name, if you... As, as, even Especially outside the body of Christ, where we're supposed to be winning people into the kingdom of God, you say, oh, wasn't he the one that was having sex with those young men? Whether he, you believe it did or not. Whether he believed it or not, you always... Know, it, it, unfortunately, we get in the legacy of, of it being okay... To have a bad reputation. And. As much as we complain about it. Within the body of Christ. What we're doing is. We're pushing away people from the kingdom of God. Like. ASAP Rocky was over in Sweden. Um, <coughs> being arrested and held on crimes. And I found out an interesting fact. That they don't practice religion in that country. Nope. Sure don't. Not to say that there shouldn't be some sort of regulations against separation of church and state. Like, I don't believe you should force people to perform homosexual marriages. I don't believe that you should people you should force people. I believe it should be a choice. Mm -hmm. Whether it's against the law or not. I don't believe you should be able to force people to do that. There needs to be some separation of church and state. But for whole countries to stop learning about God, being able to participate in God in his kingdom like no matter what you believe to just to start forcing our foundation out and and this is gonna this is gonna sound very controversial whether you christian jewish muslim it doesn't matter these things shape us generationally this is something that we pass on i know you shouldn't force i believe it should be a choice it was a choice for me it was a choice for our daughter it was a choice I don't believe you should force people, but it at least should be an option. Nowadays, it's not even an option. Like, our daughter has said something jokingly to us tonight, and it kind of was like, it kind of irritated me just a little bit. She was mm. like, you know, only God can judge me, and that's in the Bible. And I'm like, I don't know. I know you know better, because <laughs> I know your father didn't talk this in one of the Sunday school classes. Sure did on a couple of occasions. Because it's a very stupid statement, but the cliches of stupidity will outlast the word of God. And mm -hmm. that's our fault, because we don't teach it correctly. That's, that's not even biblical. And for people, that's a whole other topic. That's not biblical. He is not the only one that can judge you. <laughs> Tupac said, only God can judge me. Bible says, <clears throat> judge not lest ye be judged. The word lest means or. Or means this is the consequence. The Bible also goes on to say that with the same judgment, you will be judged from the judgment you gave. In other words, God wants us to be careful how we judge, not that we shouldn't judge. And that when we do, we have to be careful because now we'll be accountable for the type of judgment we held out. So if I'm bashing you for being gay and that's your sin, the first time I get, I hit up get hit up with some kind of sin, I'm gonna get the same kind of mercy and grace delved out to me that I was willing to give to you in your time of fallen shortcoming. That's what the Bible talks about. It's not it's not that only God can judge you because that's not biblical. Our lack of knowledge of that, and for more of those, you can go to youtube.com backslash simply gray type or just go to YouTube and type in. Uh, I believe it was Catch the Fire with Pastor Jesse, Church Cliches. We did, uh, when we were on, on Holy Hills as a broadcast, two weeks worth of killing and destroying stupid church cliches 
that are not biblical that we've talked about like they are biblical. But that becomes more of our legacy than the word of God. And that's our fault because within the body of Christ, you have pastors nowadays who won't even study. Facts. They'll, they'll just go off of the church please say They'll, oh, cleanliness is godliness. So in this house, we have to clean it up. And they'll preach a whole revival on that. And that ain't even in the Bible. But because it's so popular and everybody know it, it's a lazy way of doing it instead of doing your research. They'll preach a whole message on it. And for those who are wondering, no, cleanliness is next to godliness is not, not biblical. It's not even close to a biblical assertion when you when you study the scripture, research the scripture, you won't even glean that from the scripture. Nothing is next to godliness but godliness. Which brings me to another thing that this one comes from my boy Russell. He is the same one who's our graphics design artist. He asks this question in terms of legacy as well. What are we doing as a church for worldly issues? His thing was talking about addictions and things like that. But I want to I wanna expand out for not just drug and alcohol addiction, but what are we doing in terms of police brutality and racism and things like that? He made a statement in the text to me that I absolutely love because I've said it on a million, on a million occasions. I don't know if he's ever heard me say it, but I know I've said it and taught it. He said, some things you can't pray away. Yeah. And I know Christians can't stand that. Prayer changes things. P-R-A-Y. Prayer changes things. You're supposed to pray, pray, push, pray until something happens. That ain't always the case. If you believe that prayer can change everything and prayer always is the answer Ooh. let me go ahead before i before i go off in this head go I'm ahead sorry. Hit me up. go ahead go ahead i got to thinking if that was the case that jesus wouldn't have died on the cross the way he did if prayer could change things he prayed until he prayed until he literally bled and he still died if it be in thy will father let this cup pass over me nevertheless not my will but thy will be done now some would say, but that's because it was in the will of God. That was before the foundation of the world. That was said that that was going to be the plan. Okay, I got you. Here's one for you. Jesus comes down from the mountain of transfiguration. I believe it's in the book of Matthew. He's coming down from the mountain, uh, mountain transfiguration where he had just had a nice little conversation and everything like that. Comes down to a big old ruckus. And what's the ruckus? The disciples are there having a discussion with which with what appears to now be like a great congregation because. Here is a man who's come to them and said, my son is possessed. Pray for him that he be healed. The disciples prayed. None happened. Jesus comes down and says, what's going on? They begin to tell Jesus what's going on with this young man. Jesus says to the father, he says, listen, all things are possible to him who believes, only believe. The father then says, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Jesus didn't pray. Jesus didn't say the prayer was going to help. He said, your unbelief is what's stopping it, so my prayer ain't going to do nothing about it. And it took him, the father, making a declaration that I have an issue believing in this that freed Jesus up to, to cast the demon out the boy. It wasn't prayer that did it. Prayer doesn't change everything. Some things, most things, you got to put the work in for. And the problem has become that the church has stopped putting in the work and we want to either be fake and act like we're perfect 
or we want to put the work on you when we're supposed to be doing the work. It was the church, legacy-wise, historically, that stood up to, to, to racism and police brutality. It is the church, historically, where AA meetings are held. It is the church, historically, where, where women who have been abused and battered by men will be able to meet and have support groups and find help. It was the church, historically, that was able to give food and clothes to the poor. It was the church, historically, that did these things. And I'm not saying churches don't do it now. I ain't saying that. Especially because a lot of these mega churches do a whole lot more than what people know. But the legacy of it is gone. Because we, are, we have become more content building wonderful, exorbitant cathedrals. With our vestibules. And our parking lots. And our cross on the steeple. And, and our hall of fame with pictures of all the church icons. And having our conferences. That do nothing for salvation. That do nothing to help change. That do nothing but allow the church, the host church or the host denomination to bring in money. And they do nothing but allow a whole bunch of people to shout themselves happy and feel good. I've seen a lot of the topics in a lot of these conferences. What happened to the church and its legacy? We've lost something. I wrote this down as a note for myself to make sure I say it because I need, I think I said it earlier, but I want us to make sure, I want to make sure we catch this. Legacy is what we inadvertently teach and give our kids to either accept or reject. It's not always the thing that we're purposely pushing to give. It's the thing that we inadvertently give. So this modern day church has picked up our laziness because we gave it to them. Modern day black children have picked up how I want to do school. And I ain't talking about college. I'm talking about education as a whole. Because they got that from us. For as much as we push go to college in our, in our communities, we push it in statement. We don't practice it in application. We no longer sit down with our children and do homework. Regardless of how much we don't understand it. We don't sit down with our children and ask them what they learned in school today. My mom was a proponent of that. She would ask me what I learned in school today. She would ask me what I learned in Sunday school. I had to always give her something for the message as well in church itself. She wanted to make sure I was taking in quality information. So that when I became older, I had something to pull from. Do you understand legacy is also currency? Oh, thank you. I, I like that. God, I appreciate that one. God gave me one right here on the spot. Legacy is currency. It is the ability for you to pull on something to allow you to go further. I sound a lot smarter than what I am to a lot of people because I have a legacy of people in me that have invested words of wisdom in me. They've invested time in me. That have invested thought process in me. That showed me how to study. I have a legacy of that. So I can sound real smart. And I can pull from that. The job I have right now. Is because I was able to pull from legacy in my interview. Legacy means something. What are we leaving? 
What kind of uh, of a legacy are we leaving? Are we leaving a trash heap? Or are we leaving a mansion? What are we doing? Why is it that, and I'm going to toss this in just for you, Ruck, because you said this and I liked it, but I didn't think I could talk long enough about it. Why do we now have a legacy of cliques in the black church everywhere we go? And Pastor T, this kind this of piggybacks off of also what you were saying. Why is it that we love fakeness in the church? And we hang out on our fake cliques talking about other fake people. And this is now the legacy. People don't want to come to the church because it's a legacy of fakeness. Ask any non-church person. Before they tell you about how they don't believe in Jesus, or they don't believe in God, or they don't believe in organized religion, which always baffles me because I don't know what you believe in. Or you want you do like disorganized religion? I don't I don't understand that, but whatever. Before they start telling you about all that, one of the first things they'll say is there are hypocrites and fake people in church. That's our legacy. We gotta turn that around. We got in all aspects of our lives, church, home, personal, turn the legacy around. Have you ever stopped and asked yourself, if someone was looking up to me right now, what are they gleaning from me that will help their future? What am I laying out that they can pick up? That will help their future. My wife mentioned earlier uh, a, a lack of a legacy of home ownership. It's one of the reasons I'm a, I, I am, as much as I don't like to hear him talk, I'm a huge fan of DJ Envy. For those who know about the Breakfast Club, DJ Envy, he teaches investment and teaches the importance of home ownership and how to own homes and all of those things. And why? Do you understand how much we fought? For the ability to even try to own a home? Why your granddaddy and your grandma was so proud of that home you called raggedy when you walked into it? Mm -hmm. Because it was theirs. And they could pass it down to somebody. It was something no one could take from them once it was theirs. It had value. And if you knew how to keep it, it would increase in value. Homes rarely lose value. I know we talk about property value, but your home rarely loses value. And even when it does, it doesn't take a whole lot to turn the value around. You can have a million dollar home in the midst of crap homes around you. And people will say the property value is dropping. Property value is a term that is used for the collective, not the individual. Because if you have an appraiser come out to your home, the appraiser is going to appraise the house off based off of the house. Mm -hmm. Tell you what you can sell it based off of the house. And then the environment around it will tell you what you may be able to garner for it. But what the house is worth, you can always borrow off of. And collectively, we're responsible for that. Even the mm -hmm. property values of the neighborhood. 
Mm -hmm. I remember growing up on the south side of Chicago in a little block off of 60th and Racine, between 61st and 60th and Racine. Tell your address, my block. baby. <laughs> it was um, on a street, little street called Elizabeth. And I remember when I first moved over there and we moved into our house, um, which we were renters of. And I remember that all my neighbors, there was my neighbor next door, Tracy, and her granddad, Mr. Nesmond, he was... Um, he owned his home. He was a retired police officer. He owned his home. And our next door neighbor, um, Didi's grandma, Miss Inez, she owned, uh, she owned her home. And then everybody on that block, they had kids, and their kids would come over. I remember during the holidays, especially in the summertime, when you would see all the people, the older people who owned their homes, and they would go out and they would clean up in our clean up in their yards and cut the grass and everything and make sure trying to keep the neighborhood nice and then you would see all the generations of families that would come through and everybody knew that you belonged to it um that you belonged to one of these generations everybody belonged to a, a name and all these names mm -hmm. had values in these neighborhoods and these generations there were the jacksons and there were the rivers which were my family who lived around the corner and there were the dotsons and everybody belonged to these and there were all these home ownerships and and then I went back a few years ago and I went down that block and it was one of the saddest things I've ever seen because unfortunately the same gangs that were there had children and those children somebody didn't pass the legacy down to. So now some of those are vacant lots and some of those are abandoned properties and their grandparents and their parents and their parents who work and bought those houses and now abandoned the neighborhood is is run down and it's raggedy and nobody remembered the names of the families who used to live in these houses and passed down the legacy and then the property values went down and then the big corporation in the city of Chicago came in they started buying up the property secretly for dollars pennies on the dollar for people who had worked their whole entire lives to buy these properties and they started expanding Kennedy King College into these neighborhoods and then the police station left and then the crime became rampant because somebody didn't stop and teach their child no we don't do this because this was bought this neighborhood was created off of this family and that family and that family and these houses were bought off the sweat and brow of hard-working black people who built this neighborhood somebody didn't tell these kids and that's horrible and it's desolate and it looks so sad and depraved and now even my uncle who was Rivers who owned the house around the corner I don't even know if anybody's even living in his house but now I know none of my cousins live there and none of my cousins even live in the neighborhood or the city and it's sad and that's our fault because at some point, we didn't teach our kids to value what they worked so hard for. And we do that. Not only within our communities, but also in our, in our families. But we do that in the black church. For all these people who are willing to go overseas and do all these missions. Because all these pieces over there, places like China, where you cannot openly worship Christ. You cannot openly worship God. It's Buddha or nothing else. People are dying. The same thing happened here. Mm -hmm. So when you get to openly worship God in this in, in this country, you owe a debt to somebody else 
who was beaten, somebody who lost a family member, somebody who was murdered because they did that. And we have forsaken all of that for the superficial. We even forsake Christ's sacrifice for the superficial. Yeah. Everybody talk about the blessings. If I see one more shirt with blessings or hear one more rapper or some rich person talk about blessings on top of blessings and blessings and blessings and leave God out of the conversation, I'm going to scream. But that's our fault. Because we didn't go back to teach people about where the blessings come from. Matter of fact, we have perverted what blessings are. Facts. And that's our fault. We, just because our parents didn't do better, didn't, does not hold us at a standard that we cannot do better. Just because as the generations happened before us, that they didn't do a good job, don't mean that we can't be accountable from this day forward. I know, I just said a dirty word. I know, and I'm not talking about the N-word my husband said earlier. I just said a dirty word. I'm going to say it again. Accountability. We have to be accountable for what happens from the, from the time you know it. My, 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 my life motto is, is that when you know better, you are required. You are required to do better. So from the time that you hear this message, if you don't start improving on the legacy and start building from there, and we don't say this, we don't do this podcast just so we can just vent. Because really, we can vent to each other. We don't need, mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't need any, we don't, we don't, we don't do that for that. We, we talk to each other all the time. <laughs> we do this so that something will be sparked in the mindset in the community out there, in the community we evolved in, that we are involved into, and that our, our, our children come up in, our grandchildren come up in, and their generations come up in, so that we can start to do better. There's no excuse why we can't do better. I think that, and this is a thought that hit me, if we could just start treating the church, treat the black community, treat our families and ourselves like sports franchises, we would be so much better off. How so? So, when you think of the Los Angeles Lakers, it's a legacy franchise. You know the names. Kobe, Shaq, Magic, Magic Kareem. James, you know the names. You know the Staples Center. You know the 11 plus championships they won. Same for the Celtics. Same for the Yankees. Same for the Steelers. For the Cowboys. For the Patriots. You know the legacy and fans will fight you about their legacy. Talk to a diehard Patriots fan and tell them their championships are tainted. Talk to somebody who really was a ride or die for Barry Bonds and tell, and tell them that his 774 home runs is tainted. Talk to a Cowboys fan, me, and tell, and tell me my Cowboys don't match up as one of the premier dynasties in all of football. Talk to a Bulls fan and tell them their dynasty was tainted. Talk to somebody who loves LeBron and, who, and act like they don't know his stats and don't know what his legacy is as a basketball player. But yet, if I asked you to name me five mega preachers, five big preachers in the black community, forget the black community, five big preachers in this country, and not call, and not T.D. Jakes, 
Joel Osteen or Joyce Meyer? Who you got? Give me five. If I asked you to tell me five black activists in this country right now, who you got? I saw this on Facebook and we get ready to transition over to a break and then to our, to our next segment. But if I asked you uh, uh, to, to, to talk about in depth why it was so important that in Texas there's so many black female judges and that went under the radar, nobody talked about it. Because a bunch of them, they became judges in this election. And it was wonderful. And it was historic. And nobody talked about it. Because it wasn't important. But let the Lakers win another championship under LeBron James. Let Tom Brady get another Super Bowl. Let the Yankees get another World Series. We'll be all over that. This is why we need to start treating our Lakers. So that's my that is that is my challenge. Start treating yourself, start treating your family, start treating your church like a sports franchise. Learn its history like you know the history of your favorite sports team. We're going hit, to hit up this commercial break real quick. We're going to take a woo-saw and we're going to come back with, real, with, a, with a, a short real talk banter. And it's going to be fun because I got, some, I got, I got a, some nice ones for you. So we're going to see how this works out. We'll be right back after these messages. Melodies from the Heart, the first official EP by Jesse Jones. Download your copy now from iTunes, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever music is downloaded. If you love love, make sure to pick up your copy of Melodies from the Heart by Jesse Jones. I promise you, you'll love it. And we back, we back. We have woosahed, we have taken our deep breaths. I hope you all understand how passionate we are about this. But we're passionate not just because it sounds good. We're passionate because we understand the importance of it. And we do our absolute best, especially my wife, I can definitely speak for her. Um, we do our absolute best to try to make sure that we practice this. Practice leaving a legacy. Practice talking about the things of our history. I don't know a whole lot about my family history. There's a whole lot of reasons as to why. But the things that I do know I pass on. The things that have been imparted to me. I pass on. I do my best. My wife has made sure. The history of her family is passed on. Legacy is tremendously important. But I'm not going to get started again. Because I'll go, I'll go and go and go. Because mm -hmm. I'm passionate about this thing. I promise y'all we're going to hit real talk banter. So. Here we are, real talk banter. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get some for. I'm gonna get an intro for real talk banter. I think. I think this segment deserves its own little intro. I'm gonna do that. We gonna hit a real talk, but that's down the road. Anyhow, so three categories. You picked the one that goes first, and I'll probably have picked the one that goes next. If you have a time for the third one, I'm gonna let you do the third. We'll do the third one. You can. We can either do either or. We can do favorites. Or we can do hardest. 
think we've done hardest. We've never done hardest. We've actually never done favorites either. The only one we ever done on here was either or. Okay, let's let's go with favorites. You wanna go with favorites? Okay. Yeah, split the middle. So favorites. Two topics in it. First, name your favorite gospel artist and why. Ooh. Ooh. I don't think an artist not a group. Well, I will allow group within within artistry at this point for for the sake of this. Okay. So I guess for me it would be is she kind of glory. Okay. Um. And, and we talked about this as, as talking about legacy, and I don't even know if they still do new music, but um, they impact me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I first heard yes, um, it 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 hit it it hit me in a way like I don't think I I even understood at the time, but then once I I started growing in this mm-hmm. and. And really getting understand I, I understand why why that I identify with that song because the hardest thing for me was getting out of my own way. My submission. Like submission's been look, you married to me. If, if I <laughs> I'm gonna go tra- say that, I'm gonna go say that. If I could be transparent for a moment, I'm not the easiest person to submit to. Like it took it took like a my husband's sipping tea right now. <laughs> he got the tea finger up everything. Um it is for me, it took a long time. Like so, for those of you who don't know the story of of us, he is my fourth engagement. He is the only one I actually ever made it to the altar to. Greatest number there is, the number four. Woo-hoo! <laughs> he is the only one I ever made it to the altar with, um, because I I can't I, I can't just my submission giving my will is. If there's nothing else that anyone can take from you, it's the one thing that you have to give it is your free will. Mm-hmm. And and so for me, that song of submission, <coughs> it it just hit me another. It just it 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 resonates with me. It's it's actually a constant struggle of mine. If I be if I be real with y'all, it's a constant struggle of mine. Cause cause I will tell me that I am justified and I am a good attorney for myself and I will. I will be justifying some things. I don't care if God himself said it to me, and he has. And I got to come right back around. Like, you know, God, you know, I heard you. I'm sorry. I know I had to give that that thing to you. I know. I know, God. I'm sorry. If you could just get, But, okay. So, okay. Here's this thing. But I don't know this one over here. It's mine. Okay. So, <laughs> so submission is an issue for me, and I constantly struggle with it. And, 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 and the... Their music has spoke to me in so many other songs, uh, ministering and broken. Um, like their their music just resonates with me. So for me, they would have to be my favorite gospel group artists of all time. Okay. Okay. Should I answer first, or go to the next portion of this, and then let no, you go? No, answer and then... first, and then we go. Okay. My man. I got a ton of them I love and adore. Uh, immediately, everybody's thinking I'm going to jump to Yolanda Adams. I was. That popped in my head. Um, love Ye Gay. Um, Not because she's just cute. But of like all time. Oh, no. She definitely is cute. Don't get, don't, don't, let's not get that twisted. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, like Steve Harvey said, <laughs> uh, 
She's sexy. She is. He messed up and said she's sexy at the war show on Folk Heart. Oh my God. Oh my God. He said she's sexy. Well, she is. Titus O'Neil is a lucky man. He's a lucky man. Anyhow. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, they're seeing each other. As far as far as I last heard, you know, I'm a wrestling fan too, so I get to know these type of things. But um, man, so Yolanda is my favorite in terms of the dance ministry. Mm -hmm. Don't know that she's my favorite. Mm. Um. I think I might have to go all time at this point in my life. Think I might have to go with Smokey Norfolk. Mm. This brother, and see, it's not because of his albums. Not a huge fan of a lot of his albums, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But when you watch this brother live, or you go to YouTube and you search Smokey Norfolk and you watch his live performances. This brother's a worshiper. This brother has a cry from his heart to Jesus. And I love worship. As much as folk who knew me from the church in the round, Aliquippa, Pennsylvania, Knew me to be a praiser. I was that five-year-old kid moving people out the way so I can shout in the middle aisle. Because I needed some room. I need a little room. Little room. Get out of my way. Go, go, okay. Step aside if you want to. You're going to mess around and get elbowed in the face. I need to get my little shout on. <laughs> I was a praiser. But I'm a worshiper at my heart. Like nothing. Does, I love a good holler. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And God said. Oh, yeah. I love it. Love a good hammock. Oh, a good old school ham and somebody jumping on it. And a good praise break. Love it. But that worship though. Something about that worship that calls me and pulls me and draws me and forces me to just give everything I got to him. Some of y'all ain't gonna like how I put this. But this is real talk. You are invited into my world. You don't like being in my world. Get out. Worship for me is like sex. It's intimate. And I want to get in there. And I want to get everything I can out of it. And it ain't, I ain't finished until I can get a good holler. I want so, I, I, there got to be a holler in my worship. Just like in my sex. I need a holler. Some, some, hey, hey, hey holler, look, holler. I need that. My worship is like that. It is, it, it is the experience where... All of God opens up to me. And I open up all of me to God. And in that moment, despite my faults, despite my flaws, despite my message, despite all of that, in that moment, our two become one. His godliness and my messed upness, we can still become one in that worship. Smokey exemplifies that. Yolanda's the first person I ever saw as an artist mm-hmm. on a national stage, just going to worship. Mm-hmm. YouTube Yolanda Adams video. There's a reason actually I did this, and I'll tell you about the reason I, I use this as a topic later. Mm-hmm. Um, but go on YouTube and, and, and search Yolanda Adams, Let Us Worship Christ. Mm-hmm. There is a, I think it's like 10 minutes, 10, maybe 12 minutes of, of her on there. Mm-hmm. 
where she's singing, and in the middle of it, she starts to scat because she's a she has jazz training, and then after that, just kind of goes out the window, and she just begins to just go in and real worship for herself. Mm-hmm. And her worship is always a worship of song, so she never stops singing. But you, but if you watch and you listen closely, there's a switch she turns on mm-hmm. because this thing became for real for her. Rich, uh, Richard Smallwood has it. Anybody who knows Richard Smallwood, Richard Smallwood has a song called Thank You I Used to Dance To. And if you get the extended version, the actual live concert version of Thank You by Richard Smallwood, you'll see this woman who was, who was in the midst of singing. She's a soloist. And she goes off because it's real worship for her. Mm-hmm. One more, there's Fred Hammond. Um, and and uh, what's the name of the song? Uh, 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 Don't Pass Me By. Uh, get YouTube the live version. This little small light-skinned chick almost throws her glasses off because she really begins to scream out, I can't make it without you, Lord. That kind of worship, it draws me. And Smokey consistently brings forth that kind of worship. It is in him. I look forward when I hear him have a new song only because I know eventually that live is coming out. And when that live comes out, this dude gonna do something that you can't you can't you can't put together on an album on a CD version album. Mm-hmm. He gonna get behind that keyboard or behind that piano and just do it. That's why Smokey is my favorite artist of all time right now. Like you ask me in a week, I may have somebody else, but right now, uh, Smokey Norfolk, that's my dude. Mm-hmm. So part two of favorites. Okay. What's your favorite gospel song or hymn? I guess I, I guess I kind of already answered that, huh? You can still, you can still talk a little bit more about it. You talked about them, but not talk about it. Hmm. That's that's a tough one. That that's that. Okay. Oh man, I gotta struggle with this for a second. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Cause for all intents and purposes, I feel like it's yes. But there's a part of me on the inside that's saying that it's Marvin Sapp's best in me. Okay. So, okay, 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 I gotta pick one. Okay, I'm gonna go with yes. I'm still going with yes. Mm-hmm. She kind of glories yes. And why? Um, I, like I explained earlier, it, just, it, it speaks to me. It, it never stops speaking to me. It is my go-to reminder uh, of 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 that I, he's not done with me yet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That I haven't that I'm not I'm not there. Like I, I think sometimes, especially within the body of Christ, I see this. Like people get so they get so high in their own head mm-hmm. of where they are, and they. I, I understand not do not you know being like dog in his vomit and the whole and that going back there keep going back to things but I, I think you can I think you can get to the point where you forget mm-hmm. where you come from you get a little little spiritual amnesia and then you that spiritual amnesia like allows you to to belittle other people I've seen it happen mm-hmm. that you forget that you say for a reason you know mm-hmm. that, yeah you didn't. You didn't walk out the womb like da da holy, because <laughs> the first baby I see do that is completely creepy. And we may have to kill that. Um, I'm sorry, that was too far. As that was real me. You you'll be okay. Um, but 
yeah, I, I think I, I don't ever want to get to that place where um that I get spiritual amnesia. Not that mm. I can't grow because I, I need to grow and I want to grow, but I I just if for me it's it's my humbling place. It's my humbling place, like that. For as far as I came, and I know that I'm not the person I used to be, but I there's still room for me to grow. I'm not dead yet. Mm-hmm. Anything that can't grow is dead. So that that is my humbling spot to let me know that I'm, I'm still I'm still a flower. I'm still planting in the ground, and I'm still growing. And I still I still have much fruit to bear. Mm-hmm. It's my humbling place. Okay. That's that got extra churchy. Sorry, my bad. Sorry. Maybe you went to pick the gospel or something. My bad. <laughs> I'm gonna cheat. No. Cause I'm picking two. Ah oh, no! You mm. said one. Ah, I said name your favorite gospel. I say one. I said name your favorite gospel song or hymn. Uh. I'm cheating because I cannot be. I cannot distinguish between these two. One is sentimental, mm-hmm. and one is just in me. Okay. So the sentimental is and. For y'all who know who don't who who know or don't know me, I grew up old school. I grew up Church of God in Christ old school, Alacoma, Pennsylvania, Church of the Round, Second Ecclesiastical Jurisdiction of Pennsylvania. Bishop Melvin Eugene Clark Sr. was it is the presiding bishop and pastor, uh, and the presiding prelate is uh, of the second jurisdiction. He was my pastor, my foundation. We did not only do we do contemporary at P.O. Box one five five, Alacoma, Pennsylvania one five zero zero one. We also did hymns, and the hymns always stuck with me. So the sentimental is my daddy's favorite song because it's my daddy's favorite song, and I would listen to him sing it, and it just always does something to me. I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord until I die. And I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord. I will trust in the Lord until I die, till I die. Then, the one that's just in me. Did you know it was a free concert? Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just in me, and it just pops out. It's like my spiritual Tourette's. I, I'll do it whether I need it or not. It just hits me. It's another hymn. I need thee, oh, I need... Man, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee, oh, oh, bless me now my Savior I come to to thee I need thee oh 
me now, my Savior, I come to to thee. Something about that statement, something about that song, it just does something to me. I just hear it. It's always in my head. It's my constant reminder that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what I'm dealing with, I need you. Whether I'm high, whether I'm low, whether I'm going good, whether I'm going bad, God, I need, I need you. I can't live. I can't make it without. I need you. And it's coupled with I trust you, God. I will trust in the Lord because while I need you, I go to you because I can trust you. Those are my two favorite. I'm gonna stop because I feel myself. I feel my help coming on, right. as the Baptist preachers like to say. I feel it coming on. I feel a little preacher. I mean, I'm trying not to preach, but those are my two favorite. It, it, it. Man, I wish. Speaking of legacy, I wish I could go back in time and let you hear my father. Do I will try just, just before he would preach. I've only heard him preach three times, but I've heard him sing that song countless times. Just to hear that voice one good time. And then to all, he would also, every so often he would do, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Very rarely, but I, man, just to hear I, Raymond Jones do, I will trust in the Lord. Something about it, that's why it sticks with me. I can't, can't leave, I can't differentiate between those two. It just, mm -hmm. yeah, let me, let me, let's, let's, let's move on before. I not only do I I go in, but I also get emotional. Cause yeah, if y'all y'all know what's going on with my dad, y'all understand why I'm like that. But so we have two topics left. Okay. And based off of time, we'll probably only do one. All right. We can either do either or, or we can do hardest. Mm. I don't know what hardest is, so let's go with it. Hardest. And this particular one, see, I get to think up a, a think up a statement mm -hmm. with hardest, and you get to tell me the hardest. Okay. And so for this particular one, what was the hardest decision you've ever had to make, and why? Oh no! Wait, second thought. No, I'm no, 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 no. Too late. It's already there. No, we all, we, know, we no, already hit no, it up there. Yeah. No. Oh. <laughs> I'll let you bypass that one and think of another one. Just. For, okay. for those y'all who for those y'all who wonder why some things with a real talk don't need to be out there, I've learned in my life. Yeah, everything ain't for public consumption. So she gonna give her second hardest decision she ever had to make in her life. I didn't think about that beforehand when I wrote. I was like, oh, that's a good one, cause I was bypassing something else. Okay. Cause the the first the, the the original question that I had. Mm -hmm. Is where I thought about that one on. I don't know why I didn't click the second time. Because the, the, the original question was going to be the hardest thing you've ever had to do in your life. See, so I was like, no, wait, no, I know that one. No, scratch that out. Let's, oh, let's do hardest decision. Man. So let's go second hardest. For you, we'll go second hardest. Now, see, I can only think about that one thing. I don't. You're around it. Okay. Because I, I know how you feel about it. And, you know, you ain't, and especially since you ain't the host, you're not obligated to be as real and as raw as I am. You can go around. You can go to something else. Okay, let me, let me help. Let me help. Let me help your mind think. Um, okay. Okay. I can, I can move around it because I was, I was just going to be raw. I was, I was just going to let it out. It's, it's up to you. 
but I, I know how you feel about that. I know, I know you don't want everybody in the bitch like that. You ain't like me. So, and you ain't obligated to that. Okay. So, I guess the second heart is, um, I, I want to say that it was, it was, it was being a mom. Mm -hmm. It was okay. being a mom. Um, okay, so, so for those who don't know the story, um, Ashley is my biological child and not Jesse's. Um, and when I found out that, um, I was pregnant with Ashley, I... Due to who her biological father is and his history. Thank you for being a screw up. I was able to get. I was able to get it because you screwed up. You'll probably never hear this broadcast, but I thank you for screwing up anyway. <laughs> um, due to his history, not just his criminal history, because I had met him coming out of jail. He he had just been released from jail when we met, um, and I found this out later. Um, so it wasn't his criminal history. It wasn't the fact that, for all intents and purposes, <coughs> me and him were not equally yoked for the churchy people. Um, we were two different people. Um, he was older. I was younger. Um, he was very complacent, very settled. I was, I was in my prime, ready to spread my <laughs> wings. I was ready to take on the world domination i was i was that 19 year old uh, um i was ready to go i was ready to, i was actually in the process of enlisting in the air force um and i i went and i got sick and i found out that my sickness which i thought was strep throat was actually ashley <laughs> woohoo um surprise and See, Ashley, you do make her sick. I'm just playing. I'm just stop playing. Stop it. Stop it. Um, <laughs> and I, I didn't feel like I was ready. And I knew. I knew. And I, I know I'm. we're going to. And if you feel like commenting, hit me with it. And this is not to downplay men. Hey, hey, I'm hey. not taking no. <laughs> y'all make sure when y'all hit my wife and y'all only hit her on a Real Talk podcast Facebook page. Or you email the Real Talk Podcast email, <laughs> and I promise you, you better come respectful, because I promise you, say the wrong thing, you're going to find out how real raw I am. I'm going to let you know ahead of time. Y'all can come for me all you want, but you better be careful when you come for Falana. I promise you right now. All right, my bad. Go ahead. It's okay. Thank you, Andy. Um, I'm, it's not to bash men, but I knew who he was. I knew him. I never saw myself long term with him because I knew him. And for all these women out there, especially you young women, I speak to you when I say this. Do not think that you can change a man. I was not in the business of trying to change him. I knew who he was. And I knew he was not going to be the father that I wanted for my child. And so I had actually opted to have an abortion. Um... He tried to talk me out of it, told me he wasn't going to pay for it. I was determined. I'm like, look, I work. I make my own money. I make more money than you. 
I'm in college. I got my whole life ahead of me. I'm trying to, I got moves to make. And I'm not, I'm not trying to raise a child by myself. I never wanted that. Like, it's great that we can, and I applaud all the women who have done it. I applaud my mom who done it. It's great that women can do it. That you can be a single parent. Great. Great for you. Bravo. But it's not God's purpose. I believe in a two-parent household. I was not raised in a two-parent household, but I do have I did have a relationship with both of my parents. I was raised in the home by my mom, and I was very much so loved by my father. And I believe in you having a two-parent household. And that's not the traditional part of me. I believe it because I know it to work. Just because you can do it don't mean you should do it. It's like it's like it's like this mess see-through pants set that I've been seeing on Instagram. Yeah, great. It comes in plus size. That's wonderful. And not to <laughs> fast shame anybody because I'm not little by a long shot. Just because they make it don't mean they make it for me to walk around the street in it. Everybody don't need to get to know me like that. <laughs> um, and a whole bunch of y'all too. This is Atlanta. I've seen some things. I've been seeing mm -hmm. some things. Um, just because they make it don't mean they made it for you. Uh, and I, I, I didn't, I didn't want that. I didn't, I didn't want to have to work as hard as my mom did. I didn't want to, I didn't want to shortchange my child coming into this world. I didn't want to do it. And I told him that, and he was like, no, because I want her. He, okay, for the, if I could be really raw, um, he actually sabotaged the birth control. He had every intention on getting me pregnant. And if you listen to him, if he would ever tell you the story, he would say, and, and this is no disrespect to any of his other children, he has other children by other women, and he has told the story to other women, and a whole bunch of them hate me, because he told them the story that Ashley was his only intentional child. He tried to get me pregnant. As a matter of fact, he told me after I got pregnant, he said, you only had a couple of more weeks. Of you not being getting pregnant. Because I tried everything. He actually went to his mom. To get his mom to teach him how to track my cycle. To get me pregnant. This is how determined this, this idiot was. <laughs> Sorry for the venom. <laughs> it's alright. It's alright. Your idiot is my, is, is my good thing. His yeah. mess up with my game. But yeah. he So he. And I. So I didn't. I didn't want to do it. I did not if I could if I could have went back in time and somebody else which there was an option <laughs> if there was somebody else that could have been her father I, I, I would have not that I regret having her I just wished I could have done better by her and I and I think if we be really honest with ourselves as parents there's always that you wish you could have done better if you could change I can never say that we all say that this that is ever a perfect circumstance bringing a child into this world. So if you could change one thing, you would have done that thing. And for me, it would have been I'd have picked I'd have picked a different father. If if he wasn't of illegal age <laughs> back then, because we are we are not that much different. Please don't think that. Please, sir. Please, madam. I'm not a pedophile, but he is younger than me. <laughs> That's right. I be getting them old. Yeah, he, yeah stop it. <laughs> he is younger than me. But if I could have made went back in time and we could have made it work, then I I would have I would have picked Jesse to be a father. He's been a great father to Ashley. Oh, yeah, you have. Um, 
but yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't change her being here. Ashley, if you if you know my story and she she's not going to listen to this podcast, but if she ever mm. do, I'll have a problem with telling my testimony. Ashley saved my life. She got brought into this world under the, the the not the most favorable circumstances. And even when I tried to abort her, and I know some of y'all go, Oh my God, Christians having abortions. I wasn't always saved. I wasn't saved when she got when, when she got conceived. I ain't get saved till afterwards. Um, so shut your mouth and come for her if you want to. Go ahead, come for her if you want to. <laughs> it's okay, honey. <laughs> but um, but she never mistake God's plan in the situation. You know, if I look back over and I know that that was a blessing that it happened when it happened and how it happened, even though I didn't like it. So yeah, even bad things that happen to you, um, God can still use. He can still use those. Um, because he literally, I, I, I love Ashley. Ashley is, I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't think, I didn't know how much I loved her until she brought something into this world, someone into this world mm-hmm. that I could love as much or even more than I love her. <laughs> um, but yeah, Ashley was my heart, literally my heartbeat, I felt. Um, and so that was like my... For me, the hardest that the hardest thing I ever had to do was to take on being a mom, cause it it was rough. It was I. I know how much you people pass over it nowadays. Like it's so passe. Like it's normal. Like the conversation we was having about fathers and mothers, mm-hmm. um, and how mothers get more credit, and it, it's so passe. Now that we see, oh yeah, single women, women have babies all the time, and then we're so passe about it. But it's so hard. It it, it is hard, and I would have never, I never ever wanted that because I didn't want the things that happened in her lifetime to happen to her because of I because I brought her into this world. Like, there's some things I just, I really, if I could have, I would have changed. Not that I'm I'm prophetic or psychic like that. Don't look at me like, I, I see the look behind your eyes about that. Um, but I, I, I felt in my heart that this, that I was going to do this alone. And I did. I did it alone with the support of my friends and my family. And I, I will never discredit them. But it took, it literally took a village in order to raise her and then it took God really bringing someone into my life because I, I always wanted her to have a father and no matter all these other engagements I may have had I knew I knew Jesse was the one and he has handled this amazingly um, coming especially because she was 14 <laughs> And, and we women remember back when we were 14 and absolutely crazy teenagers. If we could be honest with ourselves, this, there are no sane teenagers. I just don't believe that. There are no sane teenagers. It's all the hormones, the genetics, the you feeling. You, it's, it's, it's madness. It's an actual literal period of insanity, I feel, that we all pass over. <laughs> that we don't give it enough credit for it being the craziest time period in your life. And I... I, I, it was it was the hardest thing I ever could have done, 
and it has been my greatest pleasure at the same time. So we're gonna go ahead and skip over mine. We're gonna go ahead and end this parking lot. Oh, <laughs> wow! Well, you gonna have me airing out tonight, y'all. I know you better oh. air. Well, I'm going to try to make my show because we ain't got a whole lot of time based off of my timer. It's all right. You I'm need sorry. to get it out. You just gave me an idea for something else. Uh-oh. Um, so, my heart's decision, and I'll, I'll, I'll go my, what in my mind is, at the moment is the hardest decision I ever had to make. Uh, so, I'm going to be all the way raw <laughs> in as short a time as I could be, possibly be. And my wife has never heard this either, so this is going to be interesting to see how she take this one. Um, hardest decision I ever had to make was marrying you. And d- before all y'all and you wind up be like, Hold what on. the heck? What? Nigga, what? what? Let's see the facial expressions, y'all. Mm-hmm. Just imagine in your mind. Now amp it up. Ten more faces. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> um, not necessarily you specifically, mm-hmm. but just getting married again. For those who don't know, and I don't know how you don't know, if you follow me or follow our praise ministries, y'all know that my wife is not my first wife. I was married once before. Oh my God! Drew that divorce? Ah! Yeah, that was me. Um, yeah, that took a toll on me. First of all, I had made a promise to myself um, that I was only ever going to be married once. And for when when it failed, for the reasons it failed for, and I'm not going to go into that because there are people who know her, and I do my best never, ever, ever, even in our breakup. To speak out. negatively about her or tell the things that happened. Uh, it's just not in my nature. Some people have heard from her and you haven't heard the truth, but I won't talk about it. Um, it's just not something I do, but it was hard. Um, and it hurt. And for the kind of emotional, sensitive, open kind of a person I am, that was a hard thing. Like, and it's probably as shocking for my wife now to hear this because if you look back at it, if you were a spectator looking in or you were her who was in the midst of it, it seems so easy for me because I was the one who said, while you are taking it day by day, I will be looking towards the future. You keep me grounded. I'll keep us moving forward. But that's only because I know what I heard God say. And I have always, to the best of my ability, been a person who, despite how I feel about something, if I hear God say it, I'm moving on it. I have done that for, uh, for as long as I can remember. I, God has had me and asked me to do some stuff I was nowhere near comfortable with. I didn't want it. I'm preaching and pastoring. I don't, didn't want to do it. Well, I'm comfortable doing it, but because I knew God said do it, that's what I was going to do. Uh, my album I have, Letters from the Heart, for those of y'all who heard the commercial that we had just before this segment, I I didn't want to do that, but I felt like I heard God say do it. The book that it, that it was spawned from, uh, Letters from the Heart, I didn't want to do that, but God said do it. Like, I, I've always, to the best of my knowledge, I've always been that dude. And so when... I met her and I met her because she emailed me and she said she didn't, but she did. At least that's what my Yahoo says. Nice. Um, and we, we connected. It was a it was a cool connection. It was, you know, and I'm a flirt, so I you know, flirt, we flirted back and forth, we talked and everything, and then we decided to have this meet up and I had never really intended on it going there. 
even after I had just that same day, hours before, said, okay, God, go ahead and send me a wife. I had did that because I heard a preacher say it, and I'd, and I'd only repeated it because it was something that was kind of like spiritual Tourette's. I just, it just blurted out of me when I heard him say it. I never thought that that was going to be the case, and sure didn't think it was going to be the case that quickly when God said, she's the one. In my mind, as I'm yet saying, yes, Lord, I'm saying, oh, ish. Because <laughs> that wasn't, I didn't want to go through that again. Didn't want to go through that hurt. Didn't want to go through that rejection. Didn't want to go through all of that. And it, it, was, it was a battle, and still is a battle, dealing with the hurt and the rejection and all that that I deal with. Like, it, it takes, I didn't get the chance to go to counseling like some, like some folk did. They had the money. All right? So I talked to God. And occasionally, that's it. Because I don't trust y'all. I'm just be honest with y'all. It's real talk. So I don't trust y'all with my stuff. Y'all, I don't trust y'all. If I ever go to counseling, I need to go to somebody who don't know me, and don't, don't know nobody around me, and is paid to keep it confidential so that if they leak anything out, I can sue them and get money from them. Like, so I, I, I never had that opportunity. And I grew up in a home where, though we were all very expressive, we, aren't, we all weren't very emotionally honest. So we said a whole lot and we're passionate about a whole lot. But we didn't really always talk about a whole lot of feelings. There's a lot of stuff that, my, that I felt and feel my family don't know. And I'm sure it's a lot of stuff they feel I don't know about. That, that was a hard thing. And it actually still is kind of hard because I always am fighting off the fear of the same type of failure and that happened in the last, not for the same reason, but it ended. So it's still a failure, at least to me. Fight that off happening in this marriage. So it was a hard thing. Hard, hard decision to make. Easy because God said do it. Hard because everything in me was fighting me. Wasn't fighting her. Was nothing about her. She was and is wonderful. Aww. Just, I'm, man, always has been the yin to my yang. We used to joke about that. But it's still hard because I had been through all of this and had seen some mess and I was still fighting and dealing with those demons and like I made a humongous deal and I don't know if you remember me doing it I made a humongous deal about the fact we made it five years because it was one year more than my last marriage and I was like okay I've never seen five years before I'm kind of out of the clear never seen six years I'm kind of out of, and the further away we get from that mark the more I feel okay kind of out of the clip, but that bad boy was a hard, hard decision to make. So, listen, while I'm here, let me go ahead and drop this nugget as I'm getting ready to close out. Never let your fear of a decision be the factor that keeps you from making the decision. Everything that I have gained by the grace of God since the day I met Philanda has ultimately been as a result of Philanda. God used her, and not only did God use her, just her herself. Everything I've gained. High Praise Ministries, this podcast, a lot of my sanity, my weight, just all, all, all these weight. things I've gotten. You, you fed the mess out of me. I was listening. Oh, I'm sorry. 
190 pounds. Not even that, but when when we met, I'm 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 over that now. <laughs> but it it's been because of her. And had I not made that decision, I would not be where I am now, and I wouldn't be in a good place. So I am better off having made the decision. But it was hard. Let nobody ever make you think that sometimes it's not a hard thing to do the right thing and to do the good thing. It was hard. Hardest decision that I had to make because the person I had to fight the most was me. And anybody who knows me knows I am not an easy fight. If you've ever had an argument, a debate, a discussion with Jesse Jones, you know that Negro was not easy to deal with. I had to deal with me. And that is a hard thing because neither one of us was backing down. We both were trying to do what God said do, but neither one of us was backing down. So it was hard, but it's been good. So ultimately, always understand that the hard decision you had to make may be one of the greatest things you ever do. This has been an, another installment of the Real Talk Podcast. Yes, we are. We're going to just want, I'm just going to go ahead and just, you know, just be okay with the fact that we're almost two hours every podcast. I was trying to get to about an hour 15, hour 20. Listen, this is what it's going to be. Getting the two of us together to talk and we just talk. You long-winded, I'm long-winded. It's just going to be what it is. Okay, I'm going so, to do better now. No, you ain't. No, you ain't. That's all right. Because I think this is what's, go- this is what's going to make us us great. When you're on the podcast, as you choose to be, it's going to be the thing that makes us great because we share and we we open. We don't we have a format, but we don't have a format. And I think that's what's going to help us. I think that's what the people enjoyed thus far. I have yet to receive a bad review on our even including on our length. Mm-hmm. We've yet to receive a bad review yet, so you know we're gonna keep flowing with it. But I'm going to go ahead and put this out there, put her on the spot. That way, I can't take it back, and she can't get out of it. Oh, Lord. Next week, we're going to have a Real Talk podcast first. And the, re- for the next week, Real Talk podcast first, excuse me, we're going to do our very first Real Talk podcast interview. And our special guest is going to be our executive producer, Philanda. Oh, no. We're going we gonna to interview her because she has led an amazing life and there's so many things that she can talk about and deal with and so many questions I can ask of her as well um, that, she can, that we can give her some chances to answer because nobody really knows the woman behind the ministry that well. So I feel like it's going to be a good opportunity. So check this out. I want y'all, need y'all to go ahead on to Real on the Real Talk podcast Facebook page. This is where I want to submit. I want you to submit your questions that you would like me to ask to Falana. I'm gonna take a bunch of your questions, along with some other ones that I know I can ask, and we and this is what's gonna be the, the the podcast for next week. But I want you to submit it on. Don't email it because I want to get the Facebook page engagement up. E uh, post it on. The Real Talk Podcast Facebook page. If you don't post on the Real Talk Facebook page, chances chance are I'm not going to ask it. Don't come. Don't If you got my phone number, don't text me because I ain't going to answer it. If you, if you got the High Praise Ministries uh, Facebook page, don't put it there. Don't inbox my personal page. 
only through the Real Talk Podcast Facebook page. Search the Real Talk Podcast. You'll see it. Trust me, you will know this page when you see it. That's where I want you to submit your questions for what you would like me to ask to the Queen, our executive producer, Philanda, on next week. Alright? It's going to be fun. I'm excited about it. Hey, hey, if you got something on your mind, this is your last chance. You're going to win one final chance. I'm going to be very open. I'm very honest. I'm going to be very raw. So if you ask a question, you're going to get an answer. Don't come at me with no questions afterward because there ain't none of your business if I ain't told you all the <laughs> <laughs> This has been an episode, another installment of the Real Talk Podcast. We hope you have had a wonderful time like we have. We enjoyed this, even if y'all don't. But y'all ain't said y'all haven't, so, you know, hey, do me a favor. Email any other questions aside from next week's questions to the Real, po- Real, po- Real Talk Podcast email at realtalkhpm at gmail.com. Engage us as well on the Real Talk Facebook page. We would love for you to do that. That's the Real Talk Podcast on Facebook. Please do that as well. Um, also, just as a point of reference, because I'm excited about it, um, God's doing some new things for High Praise Ministry. So, we have our own space once again. God's opened up some doors for us to uh, try out this new space. So we're going to be there as long as God said we're going to be there. So, please join us in, in our new space at our new time of 1 p.m. Next Level Service will be 1 p.m. this Saturday. And going forward, 1 p.m. every Saturday at 3446 Holcomb Bridge Road in Peachtree Corners, Georgia. 3466 Holcomb, Holcomb Bridge Road, Peachtree Corners, Georgia. Join us This Saturday at 1 p.m., we're going to start in our new place with a brand new series that God has given to me for us to go ahead and do. It's going to be outstanding. Listen, I'm going to skip all the other stuff I normally talk about and do. You've heard all throughout the podcast. You've heard it through the commercials. But listen, no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, no matter what happens in your life, do your own self a favor. Always keep it real. This has been the Real Talk Podcast. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the Real Talk Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard. We hope it's fed your mind, your soul, and enriched your life. Feel free to submit all questions to the Real Talk Podcast at realtalkhpm at gmail.com that's realtalkhpm at gmail.com no matter what you do no matter where you're going no matter what happens in your life always keep it real real talk we out